0: Welcome to the Worldwide Webinar Fellowship, which you can listen to live every first Wednesday of the month at our website, tltf.org. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message from God's Word encourages, uplifts, and inspires you to grow deeper in your relationship with God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for joining us, and now here is your teacher, John Lynn. So, the title of this teaching is, Yo, Adam, Thanks for Nothing. And the subtitle then would obviously be, Yo, Jesus, Thanks for Everything. So, as you probably know, the whole Bible is the story of two men. The first one wrecked everything. The second one is in the process of fixing it all. The first man bequeathed to us an irreparable sin nature that plagues us daily, physically, mentally, and spiritually, and that's the problem. When you write a thesis, you begin with the problem, then you get to the uh, solution, the source of the problem, and then the solution. And the second man imbued us with the divine nature that gives us the potential and the authority to think and trust God like he did, to speak as he spoke And to do the works that he did. And that's the solution to the problem. So let's get to Kraken. Well, there I was. If you've ever uh, done incidents and shared incidents, of course, you have to start with that. There I was. But it was a week ago, Sunday afternoon, and I was lying on my bed. I, I sent a text recently and I said lying, and the insane spell check changed it to laying. My God, I would never say that. But anyway, that's how far English has gone down the tubes, but I was lying on my bed with my stomach still blowing up after having diarrhea for 24 hours. My feet and my legs were swollen and pretty painful. My blood numbers were still ridiculously low. My energy level was pitiful, and my mental state was less than what it should be. I'm so glad you didn't decide to drop by. Um, there's no question that the physical state of our earthen vessels has a huge influence on our mental state. That's one reason God gave us some info in Levitics and other places about uh, not to eat garbage uh, and to eat something that would uh, make us healthy because it's pretty hard to have a good attitude mentally and have the spirit of God really working in you when you feel really bad. Vince Lombardi, a famous coach of the Green Bay Packers, once made a great statement, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And that is so ridiculously true. So I'm lying there, or as I lay there, I thought about the cavernous contrast between how good and how bad a human being can become. Spiritually speaking, humans who reject god's goodness and his son's salvation and who choose to sell out to sin i don't mean they're just allow themselves to be buffeted by it their whole lives and whatever i'm talking about people that sell out to sin they are so evil because remember we're talking about the contrast between how good a person could become or how bad and these people are so evil that the only way to even grasp the degree of their evil is to have a biblical perspective of life. Because that's why most regular people, I think, they can't begin to comprehend the degree of wickedness that's out there. And that's why I think so many people today are still in the dark about what's really going on on the earth. I mean, they can't imagine sacrificing children and drinking their blood, for example. Plenty of that going on. On the other hand, those like you who embrace the Lord Jesus and his redemption and sanctification and who learn the word. I'm sure there are plenty of people whose hearts are more pure than mine. Their love for God is better, greater than mine. But so many are so hampered by the nonsense they believe. So you, in that first category, are capable of monumental feats of godliness, like people in the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for we. And you can see the testimonies of the same thing in his story. So I'm lying there, I'm picturing God (laughs) looking down on me and thinking, poor little guy, and longing to make me whole, which he is. I I think it was back in 2019, in a mid-month blast, I talked about the great idea God had in making domesticated animals. Citing how my relationship with little dog Lily uh, helps me so much to grasp his unfathomable love and care for me because I look at that little dog and I look in her eyes and I love her so much, it's ridiculous and it tears up my heart when she doesn't feel well. And of course, that pales in comparison to my love for Elizabeth, your love for your spouse, your mother, your father, whomever. But it helps me to understand that God loves me infinitely more than I love Lily. And he desires care for me to that same degree. So I've been reading the Hebrew scriptures. That's what we generally refer to Genesis to Malachi as. I go to the gym six days a week, generally, and I ride the stationary bike. I'm not quite ready to get out there and pound the pavement yet, but I will be. And I'm amazed. I'm up to Hosea. I'm almost done with Hosea now. And I'm amazed at God's incredible grace and mercy to Israel who grossed him out moment by moment beyond description. Well, now you and I are his chosen people, if you will, the bloodline of Christ, if you will, and he will do no less for each of us. And are an awful lot, as you know, in the uh, Old Testament Hebrew scriptures about false prophets leading people astray. And I'm afraid the same thing is going on today. So we can be so thankful for what we know and we can proclaim it boldly. And I consider how incredibly vile Israel was. Just think how much God appreciates anything that we do that's right or half right. So as Ephesians 5 says, Let's find out what pleases the Lord. Now, before we get to Jeremiah 18 in a minute, I've come to the conclusion that most Christians have a much lower opinion of themselves than the way God and Christ see us. And perhaps you don't, but perhaps like I, you probably do. So in that vein, you may have heard me teach that the prayers in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are significant. They illustrate his vision for us. But as the saying goes, and this is no disgrace, thanks for nothing, Adam. Each of us is definitely a piece of work. That is, we need to work on ourselves and be worked on. So we're going to read the first 12 verses of Jeremiah 18, Potter and the Vessel, which is referred to in Romans nine, ten, eleven. 11. Uh, a lot of that section and this is kind of mishandled based upon the Hellenistic error that God has absolute foreknowledge. He knew thousands of years ago what socks you'd currently be wearing, or none at all, since it's summer. Uh, but, so here we go, Jeremiah eighteen one to 12. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I'll give him a message. So I went to Brooklyn. No, you've got to run the pattern to receive the pass so to speak. That's football. Here we go. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. It was jacked up. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Hmm. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares The Lord. Now let's not go to the moon on that. So I wrote a bracket here. Yes, you can if the clay cooperates. Well, in the first case here that we just read, the clay didn't cooperate for whatever reason. And so look what he says that if I said yes, if the clay cooperates. Well, I ain't the only one going to say if here. That goes on like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel verse 7 oh if at any time i announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted torn down destroyed and if that nation i warned repents of its evil then i will relent and not inflict on it the disaster i had planned well that's interesting verse 9 and if at another time i announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me In other words, people can exercise their free will any way they want to. Well, if they don't do it, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. I'm pretty sure these are all Yahweh, but I didn't make that note. Sorry. Look, I'm preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. Now, don't blame God. It's on our website, amazon.com. Chapters four and five. Why does God use this kind of language, attributing to himself in the Hebrew scriptures both good and evil? I'm devising a plan against you. I'll tell you something more about that in a second. So turn from your evil ways. Remember what I just said in the previous verses. If you do, then I won't bust your chops. Each one of you, each, and reform your ways and your actions. But, yeah, they're going to reply, it's no use. We'll continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. You can head for Second Timothy chapter 2. And as is clear throughout the, old, the whole Old Testament, Hebrew scriptures, even with the language that God uses about him being the one, sending both good and evil, it's really clear that people reaped the consequences of what they sowed by their rampant disobedience well today you and i are privileged to live in the administration of the grace of god and what we have and who we are in christ is far beyond what anyone before pentecost could have dreamed of and there is as we're about to see a wonderful greek word now i'm no greek scholar but i learned enough back in the day uh to buy a lexicon and a concordance, and a few other things. And again, I'm no Greek scholar, but I can navigate around and get some of the wonderful nuances and depths of pertinent Greek words and appreciate the way they are used, sometimes only twice, three, four, five. This is used eight times, and eight is the number of a new beginning. We don't need to go wild on all of that numerology, but it's pretty cool, because remember, God's word is infinitely precise and designed magnificently. So there's a word that God uses eight times, which will help us understand how we can grow in grace and become more like our dear Lord Jesus. So we're going to not look at all the uses, but a few of them. Uh, the first one we'll take a few minutes on, 2 Timothy two one. you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot to that. The verb, be strong. Maybe you all, you, you know the, the noun dunamis. We get dynamite. It means power. Well, this is a verb you, in that word group. It's en, means in, dunamo, in dunamo. We have our dear brother Brian Bassendale on the call tonight, and I contacted him a week or so ago and said, "Hey, I remember this teaching you did. Well, I don't know how long it was—early 2000s, I think—that elaborated upon this particular word." And so he sent me some notes, and uh, the next um, couple paragraphs here basically is what he shared with me. I may have punctuated it with some things, but it says, uh, "E.W. Bullinger's Lexicon tells us." that this word here, strong, E-N-D-U-N-A-M-O-O, which means to strengthen in, that is, to render strong or to impart strength. Then Zondervan's lexicon says it also carries the sense of to acquire strength, to be strong, to summon up strength, or to put forth energy. Now, if you remember your English class, which I don't, A verb can be used in one of three voices, active, passive, or middle, and the voice indicates the relationship between the subject and the action being carried out. So the active voice indicates that the subject is simply carrying out the action as in, Johnny washed the dishes. The passive voice indicates that the action is being carried out upon the subject by someone or something else as in, the dishes were washed by Johnny, and... As we have in this use of the verb, the middle voice indicates that the subject is carrying out an action upon itself, as in Johnny washed himself. And this verb is used in all three voices in its eight uses, but here it's used in the middle voice so you could translate it, find your strength, as it conveys an action that Timothy was to carry out on himself. So what do we see? We see the cooperative relationship, the reciprocal relationships. Not all up to God. He's not running a big puppet show. It's not all up to you. You're not on stage by yourself. So another significant word uh is in. Be strong in the grace. And the word in a little simple word en, but it means being or remaining within, as in just resting there, sitting there, not leaving there. So Timothy's strength was not to be found in or by his own ability, but rather by abiding and resting in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So in effect, Paul was telling Timothy, look, Timbo, God has already empowered you. You are full of dynamis. Now you act and summon up what God has already given you. So here are a few. other go to Romans chapter 4. These will all be in familiar territory. The church epistles and Timothy and so forth. Romans 4, 19 to 21. Three little verses here. I really like these. Romans 4, 19. Without weakening in his faith, honest Abe, face the fact. King James is mistranslated. I think it's the previous verse. says he considered not his own body. The word not's not in there. It's 100% the opposite way. He faced the fact, verse 19, that his body was as good as dead, because he was about 100, and Sarah was no spring chicken. Verse 20, they weren't about to have a baby unless God intervened. 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in dynamo, in his faith, and gave, you're a dynamo when you're in dynamo, and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Ephesians 6.10, a couple of short and sweet verses here, Ephesians 6.10. Now, most of you have read this verse hundreds of times, and the next one, Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong. In the Lord and in his mighty power, be strong in dynamo. And the ensuing verses tell us how to do that. Philippians 4.13, you don't have to turn to it. You can go on to 1 Timothy 1.12, but it says, I can do all things through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. I can do. I am dynamoed. <laughs> I am in dynamoed for all things through him who gives me strength. First Timothy 1.12 is the last one of these that we'll look at. Paul is writing here, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, who has empowered me, who has given me the ability to reach down and come up with strength beyond what I would have on my own, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service and think about Paul's background that's pretty heavy duty. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're moving right along here. Now, the ver- we're going to read a little bit in um 2 Corinthians here, but following chapter 11 where Paul lays out the litany at the end of chapter 11 of his trials, you know, five times 39 lashes, all that are ridiculous. Every time I get like I was huh, a week ago Sunday lying there, I think this is nothing compared to the Apostle Paul and a lot of other precious saints both then and now. Following the litany of his trials and tribulations at close chapter 11, there are some very pertinent scriptures regarding how Paul maintained his strength in the grace of God in the face of those afflictions, and again, familiar verses, but priceless, 2 Corinthians twelve, 8, 9, and 10. Thorn in the Flesh, he's talking about. He was giving me a thorn in the flesh. Most of the Christian teachings I've heard, other than books like Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth, who gets it right. I'm sure there are others. But they think the thorn in the flesh is some kind of sickness God gave or allowed Paul to have or whatever. But I think we can see that it was people who bugged the daylights out of him. Verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord. That's Jesus to take it away from me. But He said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you. For my dunamis is made perfect in weakness." Now, there's a lot to think about in these three verses. That little clause right there: "My power is made perfect in weakness." Now, my first thought might be the weakness, and but no. I need to hide these things in my heart so I react properly. So he goes on, therefore, I will boast. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. We're not supposed to boast. Well, yes, we are. We'll see. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Doesn't mean he's going to make a big deal at all. I'm so glad I'm a moron, whatever. No, no. So that Christ's dynamism may rest on me. That's why. For Christ's sake, I've quoted this before I think it's uh, the Holman Bible some notes on Colossians 1:24 he took the blows meant for us now we take the blows meant for him. we fill up in his body the suffering of Christ as we stand for him and suffer persecution from the same entities that persecuted him verse 10 that's why for Christ's Say, Why are we doing all this? I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties, because yeah, when they come on, instead of cratering, I say, all right, bring it on, baby, because no matter how bad it is, I got a bigger source of strength. But when I'm weak, then I'm dunatos. So the word dunamis has quite a word group to look at. So go back a couple chapters, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10. So when we realize that we cannot succeed in our own strength, well, we can jump off a cliff, I guess. But the better uh, thing to do, the better response is to turn to Christ's strength. So the point here is to allow our weakness to prompt us to run into Christ's strength. Now, the following verses here might sound like Paul was blowing his own horn, but in reality, it was God's trumpet. It, that's a pretty good line, isn't it? Paul was not blowing his own horn, but he was blowing God's trumpet. Because in chapters 10 to 12 of 2 Corinthians, he trenchantly, it's a great word, it means phoom, precisely, incisively, addresses the false apostles who were undermining his ministry, and there were plenty of them in Corinth. So just three little sections here. We, however, will not boast, that word's in here a bunch of times, we will not boast beyond, he doesn't say we won't boast, we're not going to boast in ourselves, but we're going to boast, but we're not going to boast beyond proper limits. We're going to confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. I'm going to make No pretense to say that I'm Billy Graham and I've been all over the world like he has and whatever. A sphere that also includes you, Corinthians. Hey, hey, let's just, you know, keep the record straight. I've had somewhat of an impact on your lives. Verse 14, we are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Hey, I'm just one small cog in a big wheel. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, hey, hey, faith grows. Oxano, if you remember that Greek word. Our faith is, our hope is, that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly Expand. And we're going to close in Romans 7, the last 12 verses. Paul had no delusion about his perfection or anything, but he was in touch with the fact that God had worked mightily in his life and he had responded appropriately, and that these people were the fruit of his labor. 15. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. That's why we all push the fellowships, the teachings, the books, the tapes, the videos, pretty good stuff, I think, judged by the standard of the word, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we don't want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, For it's not the one who commands himself, Who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commands. Chapter 11, two verses, 10 and 11. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I don't love you? I'm just trying to make myself a big deal? Nah, God knows I do love you. In chapter 12, verse 19, one little verse here, it says... Have you been thinking all along that we've been defending ourselves to you? We've been speaking in the sight of God. That's a great phrase. I did a teaching on it 1,000 years ago. I can't remember much about it, but I just remember the phrase. We've been speaking in the sight of God. In other words, with God as our judge, as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. Please turn to Romans 5. It's not wrong. Listen to this. It's not wrong to know you're right. Sometimes confidence in God looks like ego or confidence in self. I just wrote a draft sent it to the elders today of the August newsletter. It's called God's Critical Race Theory. And there's a statement in there. It says, every Christian who knows what's going on knows that his biggest problem is himself. <clears throat> so Confidence in God sometimes looks like ego. And there's a line, obviously, we must be careful not to cross. But Ephesians 3.11 says we are to approach our Father with boldness and confidence. And then don't get talked out of what you get when you do that from him. Don't get talked out of what you know is right, either by yourself. I probably talk myself out of more stuff than other people do. But don't let other people talk you out of it either, no matter how well-meaning or wonderful they are. So, before we close in Romans 7, (laughs) we're going to read a few verses, again, very familiar, in Romans 5, and we're going to have another Greek word. It's a really cool one. It's one of the few words on earth, I would say, that begins with T-H-L. It's phlipsis. I just had to clean my computer screen. T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. It's translated tribulation, affliction, trouble, anguish, persecution, burdened, and afflicted with. So it ain't good. And the real meaning of the word is pressure. What would we call that in our in our culture today? A very oh, overused word, stress. You got it, baby. Stress, pressure. So here's the deal. How do we thrive even when the adversary puts great pressure on us? So we must, like a submarine, exert equal or greater pressure from within so we don't disintegrate. That takes us back to 2 Timothy uh, 2.1, be strong in the grace, summon up the strength, reach down and inflate your internal pressure, so to speak, so you don't disintegrate. So here's Romans five one and following, a couple uses of this word, and then we'll finish up in Romans chapter 7. Romans 5, 1 to 5, therefore, since we, Christians, have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've heard the Romans seminar. It's 18 hours, and Romans is the Magna Carta, so to speak, of Christianity. And so these words are just loaded all of them. And this is our foundation. This is the basis of all of our strength is the truth of justification, sanctification, redemption, etc. So therefore since we've been justified just as if I'd never sinned, we've been acquitted through simple childlike faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. Peace with God. Now, you know, if you're at odds with your spouse, it's agony, isn't it? If you're at odds with people in your job, it ain't so good. If you're at odds with teammates, it sucks. Uh but God, yeah, we want to be at peace with God. Now, he's actually pretty easy to be at peace with. A lot easier than really anybody else. So, uh peace with God. Ah, verse two, through Jesus, whom, through whom, we have gained access. It means the introduction. Hello, Jesus said to God, this is your new son, John, or Brian, or Franco, or whomever. Come on in, have a seat, by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we are seated also. And we boast, whoops, there you go again, what do we boast in? We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, and that's the King. Uh, the word philipsis, because we know, maybe this is the King James, I forget, or the New King James, but anyway, because we know that suffering, philipsis, produces perseverance, Perseverance, character, and character, hope. I did a teaching way back in the 90s called, it was based on uh, some of Yogi Berra's sophistry, meaning a statement that sounds wise till you really think about it. Then you realize it's insane. But he used to say things like, if the people don't want to come to the game, you can't stop them. Then he, I, so I titled this teaching, when you come to a crossroads, take it. And it was really, really, really a powerful teaching that made a big impact on folks way back then, ninety four, five, six, whatever it was. It's on our website somewhere. You can just hit the search button and type in when you come to a crossroad, take it. But it chronicled the um the order here. Perseverance, suffering, flipses, not automatically. It doesn't automatically produce. Perseverance, that's another great word. No, people jump off buildings. No, no. When it's met by faith, suffering produces perseverance, sustained perseverance. See the spelling? It's not persevere. It's per means through severe stuff. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And verse 5 and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through no article the small a small s Holy Spirit which now this probably is the NIV which has been given to us. So there's no shortage of stress in today's world. And of course, a lot of it we can't do anything about the state of the union, the state of a lot of stuff, the state of our state, whatever. But some of it we can do something about, but no matter what, we have within us the potential and the ability, and even the tendency with our new divine nature to be strong in the grace of God. So we're going to Romans seven fourteen. I love this way this chapter ends. And it actually closes a two-chapter parenthesis. The Romans seminar is really worth listening to if you, you know, can put aside your binge watching TV or whatever. You can binge listen to Romans. But um, chapter 6 and 7 are parenthesis. Chapter 5 ends with uh, that incredible, it's really the guts of Romans 12 to 21, wherefore by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. Yikes, that's the problem. However, thank God, the last Adam, Jesus, that's where we came in tonight, two Adams. And then it has a parenthesis before it starts, chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation because we have to understand the enemy, the internal enemy, the sin nature. So we're going to close with this section because it is absolutely vital to properly understand. I hope what I share can help you to do that. Uh, If you remember in One Day with the Creator, uh, you might be calling it the Chosen Weasel segment. It's actually titled Living with the Sin that Dwells in You, and I hold up this stuffed weasel that Greg Paulus gave me back in 1840 uh, because we got an email from some guy in India. You probably heard this story. Ah, He tried to refer to me as... A chosen vessel, but he correctly spelled chosen weasel. Now, I'm, you know, it's just dawning on me now, 20, 30 years later, he could have been, that could have been intentional, but I doubt it. So, living with the sin that dwells in you, it's about a 30 minute segment, pretty good. And this chosen weasel is on the lectern. Sin is the problem. And I don't know if you've ever heard the quote that was attributed to Abe Lincoln. His wife came home from church one day. He said, uh, what did God guy teach on? What did the preacher uh, talk about? She said, sin. And he said, was he for it or against it? Well, we know that God is against it. And these verses that we're going to close with this evening will help us overcome the incessant internal pressure of sin. You have these different segments. In Romans 6 and 7, each starts with a question Some of them say, do you not know, do you not know, meaning uh, we're supposed to know, and understanding the word will help us. So we're in 7.13. Here is how this last closing section starts with a question, and I'm in the NIV. Did that which is good then? Because look how uh, 7.12, look at 7.12. So then, summarizing, the law is holy, the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. The law is not the problem. The law made known the standard that I, the problem, can't live up to without the help of Christ. So 13, did that which is good then become death to me? Nah, but in order that sin, now just focus in here, we're just about done here, but these verses are terrific and vital. That sin might be recognized as sin. Remember, come to an intersection, there's no stop sign. You're not breaking any law when you go right on through. Now you're gonna get hit broadside by a dump truck and you won't know why, because you didn't break any law. So what, next day you come, there's a stop sign. You don't stop, dump truck hits you again. But at least now you know, oh yeah, that sign, I disobeyed. So here we go. That sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good. So that the commandment, through the commandment, Sin might become utterly sinful. The law pointed out how bad what sin was and how it hurts us. 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm the problem. I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. 15, now this is the Apostle Paul writing this, and he's not chronicling his life at that point when he's in wherever he was writing uh this letter to the Roman Ecclesia, the Roman believers, like, I'm not sure if I should write this verse. Oh, I just erased it. Oh, I'll better write no no no. He's citing his struggle against the same enemy you and I struggle against day by day, and that is, we're about to read it, the sin that dwells, not visits, dwells in us. And how do we deal with it? Now, there are three different Greek words in in this one verse for the word do. And I'm not gonna go into all of it. I think I do that in the Romans seminar and perhaps in the segment in One Day with the Creator, which I still have some free DVD copies if you'd like one. And of course, I can send you the links free to all the video classes or whatever. So I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. That third do means I practice. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Yeah, the law is telling me what I shouldn't be doing. But dang it, I keep doing it too much. 17. Now look at this. Don't get too excited till we unpack it a bit because you're not quite off the hook. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do. That's the first use of do, meaning I'm the cause of. It's no longer I myself who do it. It's sin living in me. Okay, that's it. Not my fault. And I talk about this in the August Fruit of Divine. Today, each human, and of course this culture, is rampant with atoms. Not my fault. Not my fault. I'm a victim. i got to find somebody that's victimizing me. Ah, it's God or the woman. So, 18, I know that no good thing, nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. And of course, Romans 8 is going to go on after this parenthesis and talk about the battle of the minds the mind set on what the spirit desires, or the mind set on what the sin nature desires. And that's where it all plays out. So, he said, I know that nothing good lives in me. So not a lot of room for boasting there in that vein. That is in my sinful nature. Now, you are not responsible for having a sinful nature. You inherited it from, yo, thanks for nothing. But we are responsible to subjugate it to the new nature that, yo, Jesus, thanks for everything, gave us. I know that nothing good lives in me. For I have the desire to do, I want to do it, and so do you. And and God appreciates that. I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. I can't do it, whatever. Verse 19. For what I do is not the good I want to do, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing, dadgummit. Verse 20 reiterates the truth. Of verse 17. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it; it's sin living in me that does it. And I believe the final five verses will help us understand what this is really talking about. That this is not like you know, hey, I know I stole your car at fellowship last night. Well, don't look at me; it was sin. That drove me to it. (laughs) 21. So I find this law at work. So what's the upshot of this? When I want to do good, evil is right there with me, trying to cut in and dance with me. 22. For in my inner being, my educated conscience. That's what I believe this is talking about. Not Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not a, doesn't have a personality per se. But in my inner being, I've got the divine nature. As I put on the word, it comes to the fore. In my inner being, I delight in God's law. Delight is a wonderful word. The English word hedonism means seeking pleasure for pleasure's sake. So we don't wanna be hedonistic, but that's the Greek word right here. I get my kicks in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body. Waging war. It's the word strategizing is in there. These words are so cool in here, and they really help to take apart and help us understand what the heck's going on between my ears. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner, that's the same verb as bringing me into captivity, that we use "bring into captivity every thought, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Oh, 2 Corinthians, that relates to Romans. Yeah, this is a magnificent section to study. I hope I'm inspiring you to consider it in detail. Waging war, strategizing against the law of my mind, and... Bringing me into captivity to the law of sin at work within my members. Dang, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death or this dead body? This phrase is one of five or six synonyms describing the old nature, the old man, the sin nature, the flesh, which, you know, I read somewhere that. And they wanted to punish somebody or who was really bad, they tie a dead body to him, let him rot with it, or something like that. So I thought about, you know, I'm gonna dance with this body tied to me, but Jesus is trying to cut in. Okay? So let him. 25 says that, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I believe this last sentence is a real key to grasping the practical application of what this section is talking about. So then, here's summing it up before we rock and roll with chapter eight, which everybody loves. So then, I myself, in my mind, in my educated conscience, am a slave to God's law. Now think about it. Most of you, a lot of you, I know very well. I love you so much. I always love seeing your face or your name on these. This is one of the highlights of the month for me to get to teach. And of course, we want to get out in the RV and see you face to face and hug you and teach the scriptures and hang out. And I'm a slave to God. So there's my point. If I leave my wallet at your house, I know you're not going to take the money. You can't. You can't. I couldn't do it. If you left money that you needed and all you meant, you didn't mean to leave it, or I had the opportunity to steal it, can't do it. I cannot do it. And I'm sure you're in the same category now. Our goal, of course, because why? Because we've educated our conscience to that degree in that regard. Now, <laughs> there's a, lot of, a bunch of other regards uh, I ain't that educated in yet. But I'm working on trying not to cut class. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But now look at it. And this is how I think it's inflected. But in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. That's not to be flippant about it. That's not to say, I can't help it. I mean, nothing I can do about it. No, no, no. It's to emphasize the fact that, oh, well, another opportunity to be wrong. And I took it as long as I recognize those opportunities and don't take them the next time or the time after that, or at least. The time after that, and so forth. So then I myself, in the educated part of me, based on that strength and dunamis and the grace that I'm cleaving unto and inflating within me, I am a slave to God's law. Gotta do it. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. But yeah, in that stinking sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin, and you might think, how interesting instead of Starting to punch yourself in the face. How interesting because it's not you, it's sin that dwells in you, but you're responsible to crush that sin with the power of God. So thank you, Brian, for your input and thank you all for tuning in. We have been uh, blessed lately with some wonderful um, financial gifts from believers touched by our ministry. And uh, those of you, I I scroll down here through all the lists and so forth. I see many of you who I know are regular contributors. So, hey, maybe if I have another source where they're really teaching you the word, or maybe you're supporting all kinds of poor people. That's a lot of stuff in the Bible about that. You know, the word says to share with those who share the word with you. And you do it in response to a blessing, in response a blessing. And I did touch on that at the very end of the July fruit of divine halfway through the year here. It's amazing how God continues to care for us and, and provide for us. And we are so, so thankful. We can't tell you how thankful we are. So again, thank you so much for taking your time tonight. This teaching will be posted online, usually by the weekend, Franco gets it up, there online for you to hear again if you would like to, and um, so pass it on to people that you think might enjoy it. Same thing with the newsletter. Same thing with our tapes, books, teachings. Um, John Touchstone did a great teaching last Sunday. Probably be online here coming up shortly. It was really good. So uh, I will close with prayer and whatever need you have. Let's um, let's focus in because the Lord. Uh, is no stranger to mass healings, okay? You can come to mass, and he's done that plenty of times, but each one is individual to him. And remember, we have the authority. You come up against stuff in your own life, speak the word into your own life, speak out loud. You hear everything you say, so say what the word says. Talk to your stomach, talk to your knee, talk to your hip. I keep wondering about that angel that wrestled that guy and knocked his hip out or something because I'm telling him to get over here and fix mine. But anyway, so thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you very much. Franco. will close with a psalm, but I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, bless your holy name. Thank you so much. We can't thank you enough for all you've done for us and how you lived the truth so precisely. Set such an example for us. And we can count on that. In our own lives, that's a lot of what the joy of the Lord is our strength is about, that we know who we are in your sight. We are um, ensconced forever in your being. We are members in particular of the body of Christ, and nothing can take us out. No matter what we do or anyone else does, you've done all that's required to hold us fast forever. And we look forward to your coming. Could be tonight, could be tomorrow, could be 50 years. I don't know, but you are coming. And we want to maximize each day and the time that we have. We want to earn rewards. We want to chalk up rewards. It's not selfish to want to earn the rewards that you talk about in the Word. We do it because we love you. We love people. But sometimes when we're really like you, Paul, the I mean the Apostle Paul, and you in gethsemane and all it's like kind of looking forward to wow what's coming because what's now is pretty stressful so i bless each person on the line tonight all their families their jobs their pets their marriages their prosperity their health lord jesus thank you we we each claim for our own bodies that which we need and we know we're fearfully and wonderfully made and you are at work within us. Every step we take, we are healed. So bless us, protect us, provide for us, and help us to be generous in our giving and prove you that you will open the windows of heaven. And you'll pour out blessings. It just blows my mind to see you do this in response to our giving. And so we love you. We bless your name, Father. We're thankful we can call you Father. And we thank you for all your goodness and your grace. Amen. Let us know what we can do for you. We'd love to hear from you anytime. Thank you, Franco. Take it away. The moment when I lost my will, I prayed for mercy. Please don't take me away. Now give me the sunshine when I only see gray. The past had a hold on me, can't be denied, and the changes didn't come easily. I've been lonely, I've been cheated, I've been misunderstood I've been washed up, I've been put down, and told I'm no good But with you I belong, cause you help me be strong There's a change in my life, since you came along every day and I don't make no mind to what people say cause after all of the pain I've been through I give up everything to love only you see all my life I've walked with my head bent in shame lonely, I've been cheated and I've been misunderstood, I've been washed up, I've been put down and told I'm no good, but with you I belong, cause you help me be strong, there's a change in my life, since you came along, gets crazy when his life is all wrong, and the heart gets weary when it doesn't belong, and the road gets rocky, Lord, you've got to keep on, and let the new light keep shining on you. I've been lonely, I've been cheated, and I've been misunderstood Yeah, I've been washed up, and I've been put down, and told I'm no good Hey, but with you I've been cause you helped me be strong There's a change in my life, since you came along Can you see it? Well, I can see your love around me Can you hear it? I hear it in my heart Can you feel it? Well, I can feel the power around me Let the new light come shine on me I've been lonely (laughs) I've been cheated I've been misunderstood (laughs) I've been washed washed up. up And put Without down doubt. and turn of the good, good But with you I belong Cause you held me strong Oh, a change my there's life There's in my life Since, since you came you along